You look around you. Water drips. Chains clink. You've been captured, and you're in big trouble now. Perhaps you've been caught breaking into the lair of a crazed scientist, or maybe you're accused of being a Federation spy, or you might be a rogue program who refuses to obey master control. Whatever brought you here, you know you're in for it when David Warner walks into the room and begins to monologue at you. For 60 years, whenever a production needed a snarling, grandiose villain, preferably with a plummy English accent, David Warner got the phone call. After all, if you're serious about your villainy, you definitely need a traditional English actor to get that real quality old-school monologuing. In fact, David Warner took something of a circular route towards the elegantly evil villains from the likes of Tron, Time Bandits, and that one episode of Star Trek The Next Generation with the Four Lights. Born in Manchester, England in 1941, he went straight from school into the Royal Society of Dramatic Arts, or RADA, which is where you go if you want to learn how to be taken seriously while reciting sonnets wearing tights. Following a start in theatre playing more traditional Shakespearean roles, his first move to television was, naturally, a villain role in the BBC's adaptation of Tom Jones in 1963. His first screen roles were typically as an offbeat establishment type, which became his stock in trade at the beginning of his career. He was first really noticed in the film Morgan, A Suitable Case for Treatment in 1966, opposite Vanessa Redgrave, as an alienated man with a fantasy life that overlaps reality. And then in 1970, he was in The Ballad of Cable Hogue, one of the first of a new kind of Western, movies that reflected on the end of that era rather than celebrating it, playing a role both comic and tragic and, for a Sam Peckinpah film, surprisingly non-violent. He only killed, like, one guy. Towards the end of the 70s, he really started to lean into his personal groove as a villain, though. And by the time he appeared in Time Bandits in 1981, he was a natural fit, playing the elemental personification of all evil, proving to the world that he could choose scenery with the best of them. Just as he has helped usher in a new and more thoughtful take on the Western movie in 1970, he was there for the birth of a whole new genre, the effects movie, in 1982, when he played the, yes, villain Sark in the seminal, sort of classic, Tron. Although not a big hit at the time, the film introduced the wider world to the possibility of computer-generated effects, and things would never be the same. It was a lot of fun as a frazzled Federation diplomat in the, let's face it, pretty terrible Star Trek V, but happily came back for the far superior Star Trek VI as Chancellor Gorkon, and he must have done pretty well to have a Klingon battlecruiser named after the role that turned up in later series. We also all remember his villainous turn as a sadistic Cardassian commandant opposite Patrick Stewart's Captain Picard in the two-part next-gen episode Chain of Command, which, incidentally, established for the first time the military-industrial background of the Cardassian people that would be heavily referenced and expanded upon in Deep Space Nine. That's some pretty deep lore if you think about it, which we do, all the time. But you shouldn't. That's what we're here for. We in the Cinemania Society go through rigorous training for this sort of analysis, which would break an untrained mind. For all his well-deserved reputation for deliciously evil villainy, David actually played against type just as often, 
he was superb as the drunken Dr. Necessitor opposite Steve Martin in The Man with Two Brains, and frankly, he could have been a comedy great if it wanted to be. Similarly, he was not so theatrical that he always had to have weighty and monologue-heavy roles. He was more than happy to appear in stuff which is, and let's be kind here, a long way from Shakespeare. His role in Quest for the Delta Knights saw him being roasted on Mystery Science Theater 3000, and he got a lot of work lending his voice to cartoon and video games. Remember Baldur's Gate 2? He played a role in that. Which one? The main villain, of course, let's not be silly. Similarly, he tormented Batman as the voice of Rachel Ghoul and has played both the Doctor in Doctor Who audio plays and one of the Doctor's enemies in the TV serial. Not many plummy British theatrical greats can say that. I mean, more than a couple, but still not many. The world is always going to need heroes. Bold and adventurous souls willing to go on elaborate adventures to save us all. But heroes are always going to need villains. Because without a good villain, all you're really left with is a nice young chap with good hair looking sheepish. We have David Warner because we need him. Because the world would be a far more grey and drearier place without a cackling megalomaniac threatening it from time to time. For a lifetime of such service, we thank you, David Warner. Now, please, point your gigantic death ray somewhere else. Sorry. This has been another Profile in Cinemania. This episode was written and performed by Andy Slack. Sound design and editing by Ethan Ireland. Music by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Profiles in Cinemania is a product of the Cinemania Society, LLC.